Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Yo, what's good, Rush Nation? Welcome to episode 86 of Five Yard College, or as today it looks like KPNG Steelersville, because Ash and I are both representing Pittsburgh Steelers with our hats. It was pure coincidence. I knew Ash would have one on because he's not going to have anything else, but I threw mine on. And, uh, and if you are watching via the video link and you are very astute at checking out our shirts, you will notice that we both have the limited edition Five Yard College shirt on. Uh, say the limited edition. You can't buy them, but if you are keen on getting one, hit me up, and we might be able to we might be able to sort you one out. But they are staff only at the moment, and the boys have got theirs recently. And I must say, they all look pretty good. So, Ash, we are here. The combine has been and gone. Irrelevant information. See you later. Thanks for coming. We're here to talk running backs and tight ends today. How are you doing, my man? I am doing very good. Yeah, it's a bit later in the week for 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 a recording, but. Feeling fresh, ready for the weekend, and, and ready for the, the podcast. That's it. We're bringing you the, on your rainy Fridays, we're bringing you the Friday feels with the running backs and tight ends. I've got to admit, Ash, you are going to be most of the tight end talk because I haven't had a chance to look at any of them yet. Don't know whether that's poor form on, on my part or not, but hey, we're here. we're here to talk college football. We've got a couple of little bits of news. The first one is very exciting for me because I thought Jaden Daniels was going to be entering the draft, but he didn't. He stayed in school. He decommitted from Arizona State and has wound up with Chip Kelly in LSU. Now, 
he entered the portal in February, so it's been around about a month since since he was looking around. But it's given Brian Kelly a huge boost to the already talented quarterback room. There's Miles Brennan, Garrett Nussmeyer, and obviously incoming freshman Walker Howard already there. But somebody like Jaden Daniels, who's now in his fourth year, this is his fourth year, yeah, rookie year in 2018, 2019, yeah. 2019 uh, exploded onto the scene as a rookie, as we as we all know. Uh, had a couple of slightly downer years with, with Arizona State, but has transferred to a school with a new head coach, new program in place. Probably the best wide receiver on Keyshawn Butte. Uh, and Jaden Daniels also brings the fact that he's got wheels. He's very mobile. We saw it in his first year. Perhaps they relied on it a little bit too much in the second and third years at Arizona State. But he does bring that to a quarterback room with Nussmeyer and Brennan that perhaps don't have that dual threat ability. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, like I say. I mean, it's a it's a good move for Brian Kelly. Obviously, he's got himself another another top quality college quarterback to make a decision on. Obviously, Brennan coming off of the shoulder injury, missing most of last year. Um, they obviously lost Max Johnson. They got the incoming freshman, as you said, um, Walker Howard. So it's a very interesting time there. I think it's probably a bit of a kicker for Miles Brennan, considering he entered the portal transfer portal himself in November and then came back out in December once <laughs> um, once Johnson had left. So it'd be interesting to see what he decides to do. I think he'll, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know. There was talks that he was happy to stay because Brian Kelly came in. and But now now with Jaden Daniels there, is he going to decide to decide to leave? Well, try and leave once again. It's a, it's an interesting situation for him personally, but I think it's a, it's a big it's a big plus for, for LSU and for Jaden Daniels, like you say, Butte there, as long as he comes back fully fit. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how that how he uh, transitions into Brian Kelly's offence. And it seems to me as well, this isn't the sort of move you make as a Jaden Daniels to go there and possibly compete. I mean, there will be a competition, as we all know. Spring football is just around the corner. I'm not entirely sure when LSU get back to the field, but... For Jaden Daniels, this has got to be a move where he's going and thinking he's going to be the alpha. He's going to be the start of week one because he needs to be for his draft stop, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's made decisions to go back for one last year into college, so he needs a he needs a good year. And it's uh, yeah, this spring spring practice is going to be uh, is going to be a big decider. I think I don't think they go back until sort of towards the end of April, and that's the first game at the end of April. I think they. Are just after the pro day if is the official is the official start, but I know they start they start getting in at the sort of start of, at the end of March. So, but yeah, first game itself is first spring game is end of April. Super. And then another quarterback, former Texas quarterback Casey Thompson, has started Nebraska's spring practice as the number one quarterback in their search for the replacement of Adrian Martinez, who transferred out after his four years. Thompson and fellow transfer Chuba Purdy from Florida State are thought to be the two favourites battling it out, with Purdy starting training lightly following his injury. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I would be very surprised if uh, Casey Thompson isn't the starter come, come game one for Nebraska. I think it's a good move for him. Obviously, he got out of uh, of Texas after um, after starting for most of the year because of um, Haynes King injury. But he's now. I would be. As I say, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't become the starter day one for for Texas. Haynes King's at Texas A and M. Do you mean Hudson? Sorry, Card? I mean Hudson Card. Yeah, <laughs> and um, they have another. When is there, there now, Texas obviously. As well. Yeah, yeah. So the former yeah, Buckeye. Yeah, he is indeed, <laughs> but. 
I think it was like, yeah, it's a, it's a benefit for, for Thompson getting out and having that year as a starter as well yeah. um, for Texas. So that gives him good standing at Nebraska. Yeah, good move for Casey Thompson, I think. Good yeah, move. Yeah, definitely. Right. We've managed to get to the main bulk of the show, Ash, in under 10 minutes, which is hugely, hugely unlike us. Um, <laughs> we, we, we we did quarterbacks a couple of weeks ago. We were going to do running backs last week, but a mock draft got in the way. Standard procedure for us at five yard here. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to do running backs and tight ends today. Yeah. Is there a possibility, perhaps, that running backs takes too long and tight ends get shifted, or are we going to cram these both in regardless? I reckon we can get them both in. I managed to get seven or eight quarterbacks in in the in the uh, in the last one. So I reckon if as long as we don't. Well, I mean, it is both of us this week, so we'll see. We'll have to see, won't we? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's always fun when you and I get involved. Yeah, exactly. Do, in the list in front of me, Ash, we've got Brees Hall yeah. as as, as the, the first person we're going to be talking about. Is he your consensus number one running back at the moment? He is at the moment, yes. Okay, me too. Yeah. Did, did that change from the combine or is I... that... I had him number one first, and I think yes, the combine just cemented that position for me. Yeah, I still had... Uh, there was a couple of spaces between him and Walker b- before the combine, and that hasn't changed for me. I think that, I think Hall's combine overall has, has just reaffirmed my my faith in him being the number one running back in this class. Yeah, agreed. I've, there's there's lots of people who have got Kenny Walker at one, and, and you know, there's, this isn't the class where you've got I want to say Jonathan Taylor, but was Jonathan Taylor everybody's consensus number one last year? Uh, two years ago, probably not. Whereas Najee Harris last year, consensus number one running back for the group. This group seems to me, if you look at mock drafts and stuff, there is a spacing there, a tighter bunch. Than, mm-hmm. and, and, and realistically, if you look at the players available on the offensive, defensive side of the ball, line-wise, uh, cornerbacks, wide receivers, if we see a running back in the first round, it will be a massive, massive surprise. So yeah. when you look at big boards and stuff, these guys are anywhere from 70, uh, maybe 45 to 70 uh, and somewhere in that range. So it isn't the elite class of running back that we're perhaps used to seeing. However, I think Brees Hall has got the ability to get better as he goes into the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I think out of, um, I think out of all of them, Brees Hall, he's probably one step ahead, as you say. And if it wasn't such a heavy class in other areas, he probably would be in the back end first consideration, very early second. I still have him. I still have him sort of early to mid second round at the moment. But I think out of out of everybody from from what I've seen, he he is the he is the one for me, and he is the the, the clear one. I think Kenneth Walker has got close closer. Uh, but Breesaw is, is still the one for me, as he has been for, for for last year as well. Looking ahead to this one, but before before we dive into Brees Hall, do you think he is the only bell cow back in this class? Uh, I I wouldn't say he's the only bell cow. I think I do think that. Walker has the potential. He has got things that he needs to work on to be to enable him to be that, which we'll get onto later. Uh, but I think uh, if we if we're looking at anybody in this draft class, is Hall is probably the is he's probably the only one realistically that that has shown it all consistently that he can be a bell cow. 
there's 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 things with everybody else that that can that that they're either lacking because of the way that they the type of running back that they are or or that they're just not capable of doing whereas i think hall on his day can can realistically do everything and has shown that he can do everything yeah, so let's let's talk some Brees Hall as we have been done. And obviously, played at Iowa State. He's 5'11", 217 pounds. He's also very thick with that 217 pounds. He's not a light, yeah. I know that sounds odd to say, a light 217 pounds. But you, you do see it in some NFL players. But he's got a good size for the running back position, which, which I like to see when I'm looking at my running backs. Strength, Ash, size and power, we've mentioned that. He's got yeah. top-level speed, and that was something that going into the combine, perhaps he was. We, I think we might have mentioned it, or me and Jaw did at some point. Like Brees Hall, he's he's got the long speed, but his initial forty time wasn't perhaps that fast. But he went in and ran a four-three-nine, which is superb. Um, sort of crosses the T's, dots the I's for him, and and brings that not only fast long speed, but some short speed as well. So that, that was what nailed it in for me for him being the number one running back. Yeah, definitely. As you say, he he's shown that speed at the combine. I think he's always had the explosive speed to in, in the short yard game and, and through the gaps, which is another strength that 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 I've that I have for him is his ability to explode through those gaps in the in the line. But I think at the combine he he's shown that he has got the the top end speed and at times in some of the plays that he made for Iowa State he's shown that he can get away from the defenders and and into open field and then he's got the power to back that up as you say he he's he's that running back yes he's two hundred seventeen pounds but he's a big two hundred seventeen pounds he's a he's a muscular wide framed two hundred seventeen pounds with the with the speed and explosiveness to back it up. And I think that the, the the thing that I really like about Brees Hall, and it reminds me of um it reminds me of Le'Veon Bell from his from his early years in the NFL, is his patience. His patience behind the line. He he'll he'll wait for a hole to open up and if it doesn't he'll 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 make he can make a hole or he can get on the outside. But he's got that vision, that almost elite vision that you want from a running back to see the gap, to take it and and explode through it and make a play. And I think that's that's the key strength for me for Hall and then on the top of that the thing that puts him over the edge as a potential workhorse is is his passing work yes it was limited at Iowa State it wasn't something that he was asked to do a great deal of time but he has shown I think he's picked up 20 plus and 30 plus last year receptions he's shown that he's got good hands and he's shown that he's effective catching the ball yep I mean we're, we're looking at last year's stats obviously he how receptions last year he had 36 receptions so he the previous two years he had 23 receptions last year he had 36 so his usage went up in the receiving game he averaged nine yards a reception in college which is pretty good for a running back only ever had three touchdowns six throughout his career but as as a running back as as the and we it's funny when we think about running backs going into the nfl it's running back by committee now isn't it pretty much there's yeah. there's only derrick henry who is a running back on his own, uh, maybe Najee Harris. We saw he had huge usage at the Steelers last year. But you look at most other teams, even Jonathan Taylor's got Naheem Hines to do the passing down back. And as good as Jonathan Taylor is, yes, he can catch the football, but 
with Brees Hall, he offers a little bit more than I would say Jonathan Taylor does in the receiving game. Is he as much of a downfield runner as Jonathan Taylor? Probably not because he's fantastic. But what we're seeing now in the NFL is you don't need to be the one and done running back. There's going to be a committee. Running backs are becoming devalued because of the shortness of their longevity in the NFL. Yeah. So Brees Hall for me is the perfect fit for a committee back in the fact that you could he can catch the ball but maybe you bring someone in for a third down back occasionally just to mix it up change some routes or maybe you have two backs in and the passing place works either way on that but as a, as a running back you know averaging 5.5 yards a carry over his career that's great it's over the five yards that we look for I, see there's the name um <laughs> 20 touchdowns last year 21 the year before that Iowa State in the Big 12, as a running back, Ash, how do you value that work compared to something like the Big 10 or, or the SEC? It, it is difficult, I think, when you when you look at the, the Big 12 and some of the, the defences that, that he does come up, that, that, that are involved in that conference, it is, uh, it is looked at at times. But I don't think you can take away too much of that from from Hall because he has come up against some bigger programs and he has performed well against those programs. Um, so I wouldn't, it's, 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 it's always impressive for a running back to put up almost 1500 yards and over 1500 yards in back-to-back -back seasons plus tw and 20 plus touchdowns, regardless of who's in front of you. And I think there are some, there are some, there are some impressive defenses in, um, in the big 12 that he has come up against in all three years that he's been at, um, that he's been at Iowa state. Did you, sorry, Ash, you went dark there. I, I think I may have froze or something. I, I got most of it. Have you mentioned his almost 600 touches in the last two seasons alone? No, not quite yet. That was going to be one of the, the weaknesses, shall we call it? Um, that, that, that I do see from Hall, although Ooh. he has stayed fit oh. for, for his, almost his whole career at, um, at Iowa state barring last year, he did miss a few games. Uh, I don't think he missed any games, but he was banged up on a couple of occasions. He's had an incredibly high volume of work in three seasons. And in particular, the last two seasons, he's seen almost 600 touches, which is a, a phenomenal amount of touches to, for, for a running back to see before they've stepped on an NFL field. Yeah, well, I mean, he's had 800 total plays uh, yeah. in, in his three years at Iowa State. We, we talked about this with Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, he had a massive workload at Wisconsin over his time there and that was possibly you know a bit of tread on the tires but because he hasn't had an injury with those touches I don't think this is as a big because of the way the running back by committee thing is happening in the NFL I don't think uh, yes it might be a weakness maybe a few less touches would help but I'm not sure it's something to be hugely concerned about says a lot about Brees Hall and the tape that that, that is one thing that I that I put down doesn't it <laughs> like yeah. but I think, you, you, yes, you're right about the committee and you're right about Jonathan Taylor sort of debunking that um, that whole touches, too many touches in college because I don't think it matters as much at all anymore. But it is something that I do believe people still do pay attention to that we do need to take into consideration. How long realistically can he sustain those types of touches in the NFL? Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that it's you know there's always an exception that proves the rule and perhaps um jonathan taylor is that guy who is luring us into a false sense of security with the touch thing i, I don't know i don't know let's move on then we've got kenneth walker next is he your number two guy still or has that changed 
No, he is still number two. Um, I, I, that that hasn't changed. He had a, a much like cool. He had an impressive, impressive, impressive combine. I think we already knew from Walker that he had that he had speed and that he was explosive, and he backed that up with his with his forty time point point ones quicker than 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 Hall. He ran a, a four three a four three eight. And he's shown at his time last season at, at Michigan State that that he regularly can beat beat defenders with speed and the way he cuts in and cuts out and makes defenders miss, it, it's all there on paper. But I think the added benefit to Walker that you don't often see with a player that that is that is quick and can make a defender miss is just how much he likes to make contact and how <laughs> how confident he is when he does so. He he takes contact well. He's got a good lower body power to make up those extra yards make up those extra yardage under contact. He drops his shoulder, he looks to go through a defender and there's not very <clears throat> sorry, there's not very often that that you see him go down under the first challenge. He can he he regularly shrugs off a defender or powers through a tackle. And then, and then it's the next one or two players after that that then brings him down. Yeah, Let, let's talk about those jump cuts. If you've ever seen Kenneth Walker play or watched any tape at all, he's the type of guy who can go from running downfield to running sideways or yeah. cutting sideways, like Ash says, on a dime. But not only on the dime, at the same speed. It's yeah, almost it as if he's got a strafe button, which is yeah. ridiculous. When you, when you actually go and watch some of his highlight tape, just note as to how his sideways movement is almost as fast as his forward movement because that is breathtakingly fast. Yeah, his feet are so good. Like you say, it's, it's, almost, <clears throat> it's almost seamless, the transition from, from, one, from one direction to another. And yeah, it's, it's something that you love to see in a, in, a, in a running back. And as I said, Walker has got that as well as the, the 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 power to back it up when he does make contact. Yeah, and it isn't just the footwork on the uh, work, footwork, sorry, on the cuts uh, uh, and the routes he's running. It's when he gets into a pile as well. You can see the legs keep going, keep pushing yeah. forward, like you said, Lade. That first challenge, he doesn't come to a wall and be like, "Oh, I'm stuck." He's he's pushing forward, and there's a yard, an extra yard and a half, or and they all count. You know, when that first down line is ten yards away, those extra yards all really count. So, obviously, weaknesses. Great 2021, we all saw it. Yeah. Two years at Wake Forest before that. Now, we don't had 13 touchdowns in 2020, so it wasn't an absolute disaster. And that was only in seven games. Yeah. Yeah, it, so it, he was... Uh, it was difficult, Wake Forest, because they 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 ran a, a, a committee approach, shall we say. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons why he got out and decided to move on, because he wanted to be that main man but there, he was no, by no means disappointing at Wake Forest but he was used in a particular way that, that didn't really show off everything that we wanted that, that, that you wanted to see and that we saw last year once he landed in Michigan State so I think the dominant 2021 of course is going to be in everyone's mind because of just how how well he did and the fact that he was in consideration for the Heisman I think where did he end up third in the end or second I can't remember if he was top three hundred percent. I can't, but I can't remember if he was second or third. But yeah, I, you do have to read into the two two years at Wake Forest um, in terms of the actual usage and, and and what he did there. But but the tape from one year is good enough to almost counteract that. I think the main things for me that I've pointed out, 
and we didn't mention it with Hall, but it 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 it's it's accurate for Hall as well. Um, is pass protection. If these two guys want to be the workhorse, the the main running back for a, for a program, their both of their pass protections are going to have to be improved. They the, the the technique is not there. The blocking technique is is lacking. It needs work. They almost just sort of try and put themselves in front of the defender or the rusher to sort of almost slow them down, and they're not really achieving that so i think if they want to progress to be a top level elite running back that that commands the backfield fully pass protection is is for me the main thing that that walker and also hall would need to work on mm-hmm. and the only other thing with walker for me is he is very patient in the backfield he'll wait for a hole to open up like before he before he goes but I think sometimes he can be almost too patient and rely on the line in front of him and just sort of stay in the backfield that little bit too long. And when you haven't got a good offensive line in front of you that can make those gaps and that can move the defenders around, he could get stuffed in the backfield if he if he's if he's not careful. Yeah. I my, my notes on him so far are that he's very much a downhill runner. He, he wants yeah. to run north to south. And, and he's very, very good at exploding through those gaps. But he's not quick enough for me to turn to the outside. Like you say, his patience will almost keep him jitterbugging behind the line as opposed to yeah. heading for heading laterally and trying to break to the outside. I mean, pass catching, Ash, is it a problem? Obviously, he hasn't had too many receptions over his time. And up until last year, he had only had six receptions. He had 13 last year with one touchdown, only 89 yards, nearly seven yards a reception. But then Michigan State don't tend to pass the ball to their running back. So is this something we could perhaps see a surprising amount more usage in the NFL or is it just perhaps not part of his game yet? It's really difficult to tell because of just how little work that he was given at Michigan State with the way they run, like you say, the way they run their offense. It's not something that they that they do they don't use their running backs in the passing game so it's almost an unknown as such at this time but the limited work that i have seen on last year i don't i don't i've not i don't see anything fundamentally wrong with his passing work but if that is that going to be something that he can take into the next level i really don't know i think t- the training training and pre-season will tell on on that front, um, really, and I from I can't remember his, how he did in the uh, in the combine on the specific drills. Um, so maybe as pro day, we, we we'll potentially get to see some passing work. But um, but yeah, it's almost it's a bit of an unknown for me at the moment. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. We next up, we've got Kyron Williams now. Yeah, interestingly, had. Isaiah Spiller competed. Is this your order of running backs, Hash? Is Kyron Williams now your third running back? It, it is. It is at the moment. I do need to. Um, this is the this is the consensus off of our top one hundred. So these are the right. top. These these are one, two, three, four as it stands at the moment. Um, I do. I do still have Kyron at number three, but above Spiller. And you're probably about to say it, but I think the the combine. Although it didn't do Williams any massive favours, he didn't light the world on fire. Obviously, the fact that Spiller didn't didn't participate is, of course, going to have an impact. 
at all. How? I don't understand. Like, this is the biggest job interview of your career. Yeah. And you don't go and work out. I understand he's going to work out at his pro day, but his pro day will be set up for him with, with stuff that A&M will put on show that he's done and there's players there that he's used to. It will be look at me. But that's great if you're doing it in your own house. Like, it, 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 do, you, do you understand what I mean? It's done him no favours. Yeah, I think the... Um... The, the, it came down to he's he's still carrying an injury, so I don't. So I, I do get it from that, but I, I completely agree with you. Yes, the pro days, you've always got to look at it and be like, this is your team, this is your pro day. They've done everything they can to make you look good, and obviously he hasn't got the combine to to back that up, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Kyron Williams, I love yeah. the dude. Obviously, when uh, we went on the Dynasty Pod. And you were you were unfortunately not available to come. I asked Rich about Kyron Williams because he said he'd done it, and he wasn't a huge fan of him. Whereas I am a massive Kyron Williams fan. He mm. is. I want everything that Kyron Williams does in my running back. I just wish he was ten pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I wish he was a little bit heavier because I, I I also wish he was a little bit quicker. I think for a guy that is so versatile and so good in, in a lot of areas. The one thing that's missing from me is a bit more, a bit more on his frame and the sort of the top end speed. I think it's, it, it is slightly lacking, but he is arguably the most versatile, versatile running back in this draft class. He's, he's, I, I would say he's probably the best pass passing back receiver. Sorry. The, um, the best receiver, receiving running back in the draft class but the the thing that really really surprises me and that really surprised me on the tape that I watched is just how good he is in pass protection for a guy his size he is one of the best in pass protection in this running back class which is crazy to me looking at him on paper but he reads the he reads the plays incredibly well he uses his speed and explosiveness to make contact with rushers and 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 defenders early and disrupt the play it's so surprising just how good he is in the pass protection. If anyone is doesn't know what I'm talking about and look at Kyron Williams on on paper and go, how is that possible? Just go and watch his tape and yeah. pay attention in particular to the pass protection. It is top level, uh, top level. I would put my hat on that it is one of, if not the best in the class in terms of pass protection. And then with, that, with everything else on top of it. it exactly. And he brings that maneuverability, aggression, and hand placement, everything he does in pass protection, he also does as a running back. So when you yeah. think he's 5'9", 114 pounds, he looks, he does everything a bigger guy would do in that package. So yeah. you're right, he should be a little bit faster, and perhaps he might add a bit of muscle going into the NFL with perhaps slightly better conditioning and training and stuff like that. It's it's really interesting to me how he uses those skills and traits from. I don't want to say he's like pass blocking first because that wouldn't be fair to him. But no. everything he does well in pass blocking, he does well as an undersized running back. And I mean, one ninety four isn't the smallest running back we've ever seen. But he's not, you know, your two fifteen up to your two twenty size, which is a bigger running back. So, yeah. but it's it's weird to me that when you watch him. He doesn't actually play as if he was 194. He plays like a, a 205 to a 210 guy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and his last two seasons at, at Notre Dame have, have really shown that. With his, he's played 12 games in both seasons. 
Uh, he's had over 200 attempts, averaged well, 5.1 for his career, 27 touchdowns. But it's the receiving game. He's had 35 in 2020 and then 42 in 2021. Averaged 8.7 throughout his career. Hasn't had the touchdowns perhaps to go with that, but maybe that's because they've used him elsewhere in the receiving game as opposed in the red zone and stuff like that. So he's not breaking off huge receptions. He's more of maybe the dump-off guy, but he does it effectively and he can get that extra yardage. So it's it for me, the fact that he was on my you know championship-winning side makes it a little bit sweeter. But <laughs> I am absolutely in love with Kyron Williams. And I think he's going to prove a few people wrong at the next level. Yeah, definitely. I think he can contribute on all three downs. I think that he will potentially be limited um, to being a, as we said right at the start, it's rare that anyone is now, but I think the, 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 the workhorse, the main running back for a team, because his size and his lack of overall power, he, he utilises his technique more than he does his power. But when he makes contact with a pile, let's say, um, to, to get those one or two yards if he if he if he makes contact with the with the pile, it's not very often that he can he can power his way through that. Um, and the only other slight hint, the only other slight hindrance for me is he does have a history of fumbles. Three last year, five in twenty twenty. And from what I've seen, it comes down to the way he handles the ball and the way the way the where he places the ball. If he gets a big hit on him, the ball can get dislodged just with the way he holds it. But that is something that can be that can be that can be taught at the next level. That is a, that is as simple as this is how you need to hold the ball going forward <laughs> and, and work on that. And it, I, I'd hope that's the case. Anyway, it could be, I'm sure someone has told him that before. So yeah. it may be that it is fundamentally something that he just cannot get on with, but it's just, it is, uh, it is one thing that you do have to take into consideration, but I can't remember who it was. Was it last year or the year before, where someone had a history of fumbles in college, and that was that was played a, a big factor in his in his initial draft stock, and it made absolutely no difference when he got to the NFL. There's someone yeah. who has real issues with it, and it doesn't seem to have affected him, affected him at all. So it could have absolutely no bearing on him in the NFL. But on tape and at Notre Dame, it is something that 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 does stand out. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Isaiah Spiller, who you've got as our consensus number four. I don't think I'd have him at four. I think I'll have him at five because there's somebody else I would have put ahead of him. But he played at Texas A&M, six foot, 217, uh, 217 pounds, I should say. Some people might not have uh, followed along there. Because I haven't actually seen that much Isaiah Spiller. I know the name banded around. People have said he's one of the best backs in the class. Is it? Does he do anything that is really good? Or is he just good at everything i yeah i think he is he is definitely good at everything but he he reminds me of more of the old school power running back when you when you watch him and i i think that i don't that's not a bad thing at all i think that's something that that still works incredibly well in this in this day and age i mean look at derek henry he is an absolute beast of a a, a bull running back and he's arguably one of the best in the league and Isaiah Spiller is one of those physical, well-built power runners that that is tough to bring down. When when he initiate he initiates contact, he's tough to bring down. He keeps moving his feet. He looks to punch through the gaps with the power. And 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 again, he he's rarely he's rarely brought down on the first on the first hit. And it's not something you do see all the time anymore in the in the modern game. But it's something. 
if I had to put Spiller in a category, is where I would put him. He is a power runner. Yeah. Is do we think the fact that uh, Haynes King or it was Haynes King who got injured last year, and then Zach Calzada came Zach in? Zach Calzada, right? yeah. Do we think that the quarterbacks' lack of good quarterback play, shall we say, helped defenses sort of stack the box last year against Spiller and perhaps hold him back a little bit, which is why he's not getting the pop that maybe we thought he was going to get going into the season? Um, yeah, I would say it definitely has to be a factor. where When you can scheme your defence around around stopping the running back, it's always going to have a have an impact, but at the same time, I think Spiller's still shown enough to 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 sort of counteract that. And there was a time where he was looking at being at the being the best running back in this class. I think others around him have shown out more in the last couple of years that has unfortunately pushed his stock down a bit. But there isn't anything I can see from Spiller that that worries me at all I think as I said he's a power running back but at the same on the same breath if you watch him you watch his tape when he gets into the open field he can make a defender miss at the next level he does have that in his locker passing work is is again A&M it's not their strong suit so it's not there's not a great deal of it on tape but in the passing game he has shown good hands he rarely dropped the ball I think Whenever it went to him in the limited, maybe 20 plus a season, but under 30, I don't think he dropped the ball once uh, or, or only a handful of times. So he's shown that he can do that. I do think he is more well-rounded than people give him credit for, but he is he's, he's a physical runner at the end of the day. He's a, he's a bulldoze running back. Yeah. Yeah. I... Before we move on to our honourable mentions, Ash, is there anything spiller on spiller you want to touch on any further? Or I think yeah, just some of the, some of the things, some of the weaknesses that I have pointed out, and it is a recurring theme for almost all of these top guys. Bar Williams is the is the blocking game. He's distinctly average when it comes to pass protection and run blocking. Not to the same extent as Walker and Hall. Spiller has got the ability in both areas, but he doesn't really pop out on either of them. He, I would, he's not bad, but he's not good. He's sort of, as I say, distinctly average in his, in his protection, pass protection and run blocking. Um, and we mentioned the passing game. It may well be down to Texas A&M, but it is a bit of an unknown. Um, and the, the, it's a limited route running tree that we've, that we've seen from him because of that. So that's something that is, that, that we would like to, that I would like to see more from him if he was to, to, to take a step up. Okay, right. We've got honourable mentions. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, many, many, many yes. running backs. Lots, lots of them, lots of them. I, I want to start with Tyler, Tyler Algier from BYU yeah. because I would have him above Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, as, I, thought, as I thought you would. Why, 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 why did you say that? Why did you say it like that? I mean, oh, no, no, no. I just thought you would. I know how much you love him. Oh, yeah. Abs- beast. Absolute yeah. beast. Um. Obviously, if you don't know, played at BYU, is five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty-two pounds. So short but thick. Don't know what he ran at the combine. Ash, do you know what he ran at the combine? Did he participate in the combine? I will tell you in one sec. I'm not sure off the top of my head. 
Oh, that's poor. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I focused I on the, I focused on the four guys. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He ran a four six. A four six. Yeah, four six, four six flat. That feels slow. That is. I'm looking at the official combine results. Yeah, four six. Well, that's that's slow. I did not know that. I would still have him above Spillo because he can't his <laughs> Yeah, true, true. Um, um no, I. So the reason I've got him is I think he does he does everything well. He's not elite yeah. at anything. Let I I think that he what he does do well, he has good vision occasionally. He sort of runs into the back of a lineman if a gap isn't quite big enough. We've seen that. He isn't he is elusive, he can break tackles, but he isn't like a yards after the catch kind of guy. He's not gonna get into the secondary and then keep going. He doesn't have that top end speed, but he can get to the secondary. Uh for me, it's his competitive toughness, which is where I think he. We saw it in the season when he chased down, chased down interception thrown by. Oh, it wasn't Jaron Hall; it was someone else. But anyway, he chased him down, punched the ball out, and then the quarterback received it, so uh, picked it back up. So we've we've seen the competitive toughness throughout the season. The fact he played linebacker, I didn't realize he played an entire season for BYU at linebacker. Yeah, I it's thought first, he came in first season, wasn't it? A second year. I think he, yeah. he played four games as a running back in 2018 and then in 2019 played 11 games as a running back. Even um, uh, linebacker, sorry. Unbelievable that he just had one season of being a linebacker in in a career where he's turned into be one of the the better running backs in this class last year was his big year he played 13 games had 276 attempts which is a fair amount of attempts 1600 yards and 23 touchdowns BYU have been fantastic for the last two years their schedule I would absolutely have loved to see Tyler Algier play in this year coming up BYU schedule this year is brutally tough they play Notre Dame they play uh, Oregon, they play a couple of other absolute tough games. When you think they can pick their opponents, they have really scheduled this season with some there's some real bite to their opponents. So it, if Tyler could have had one more year in college, this would have and and they played well, it would have been a fantastic season for him to put some real good tape up for for next year's draft. But obviously he's he's in this year's draft, and that's a, a fantasy of mine. But where where do you stand on on Tyler Algier? Um, so he is currently sick for me, um, but there's there's three that are incredibly close. That's Spiller, Algier, and Pierre Strong, who is currently my number five. But, so they they are, but they are all they are all incredibly close. And I think the the pro day for Spiller may have an impact on that um, on my standing. But I think if anything, Pierre Strong's probably going to go to my number four. Um, based off of what I saw in the combine, I think he. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about him now. But Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota, he he impressed me massively at the at the combine. I think he ended up running a four three seven. Now, I expected relatively good speed from him because I think his straight his straight running speed is is great. Um, but there was a bit of concern about his sort of his overall speed. But he managed to crack off a four three seven, and I think that surprised a lot of people. And he backs it up with just how physical he can be. He's five eleven, two hundred and five pounds, I think he weighed in at. But he's such a physical running back with the speed to back it up, and he'll he's he's so confident just 
going into a challenge and, and coming out on the other side. He'll he'll make a he'll make a defender miss as much as he will go through a defender. And one thing that you have to take into consideration is he was at South Dakota, so he was at FCS. So he hasn't played that top level competition, which which always has to be a factor when it comes to when it comes to any any player. But everything I've seen from Pierre Strong just if 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 I it fills me with confidence that he can do it at the next level. I think he is one of those running backs that if he's if he's lined up alongside someone in a committee, I think he's going to excel massively. And we need and one thing that's missing from his game by no fault of his own is passing work because South Dakota just didn't give him the ball. Yeah. But when when he did, when he does get the ball in his hands or, or, or when he's involved in the passing game, he's he's brilliant at it. So I think Pierre Strong could be a dark horse in this NFL draft. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him continue to rise up the up, up the draft boards for people the more they watch him. Because if anybody goes and watches this tape, I think you'll fall in love with him. Most of you who have been listening for a long time will know my my love affair for, for the FCS players <laughs> and the South Dakota and North Dakota players in particular. But yeah, Pierre Strong is right up there for me this year. Absolutely. Uh, somebody else who I am a big fan of and I think had a fairly good combine and a great senior bowl was Brian Robson Jr. from Alabama. He, I think he did his draft up the world of good. Now, we're used to seeing <laughs> running backs from Alabama who are title headlight, headline players. Brian Robson Jr. is a running back who is very, very good in his own right. He just isn't Alabama good. And that, yeah. I think, has done him... If he'd have been on another team, we could well have been talking about him differently. But I think he has gone about his business really, really well. And I, he did have a fairly good 2021 season for Alabama. It's just... He isn't the, the marquee running back that we're used to seeing. No, I think the issue with, like you say, with Robinson is he's not a typical Alabama back. He he never re- he never got the work really until this year when he did become the back for them, and I, he just sort of he sort of really lacks. He's just not great at everything. He's <laughs> if that makes sense. Like he's not he's not he's not quick. He he's not overly explosive. He just this just seems to be. He's just a good running back, if that makes sense. He's a, he's, yeah. a, he's a competent running back that I think will will end up as a in a committee, maybe as the third or the third guy. Um, there's just nothing really jumps out from from what I've seen from him. But like you say, obviously very limited work, and then a year at Alabama when they expect so much from their running backs, and we expect so much from their running backs. That that that's probably had a bit of a negative impact, but as you say, he had a great combine, so so that we could be looking back at this in six months' time or or a year's time and, and going how well how wrong were we about or how wrong was I about Robinson? But yeah, who oh, who was the running back who got drafted to the Forty ers Who was who's been really good last year? Mitchell, uh, James Mitchell. No, not James, Just James Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, no. Elijah. Elijah Mitchell, that's yeah. it. He, he was a sixth round pick and he was one of yeah. the best running backs in the class last year. So it does it does show you that it doesn't necessarily draft capital is important, but occasionally, hmm. occasionally these, these guys do pop off. We've got both Georgia running backs, uh, Zamir White and James Cook, who I didn't realise until recently was Dalvin Cook's younger brother. <laughs> it, if you're gonna if you're gonna send your sons to to play 
uh, college football. Do you want them both to be running backs? That seems like a bit of a glutton for punishment in the Cook household. But, I mean, easy for training because you can train them both to do the same thing. Right? Um, of the pair, Ash, who's your favourite? Samir White uh, it has got to be, I think. Cook. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is Samir White for me. If he's, he's nasty. He's a nasty runner. He's yeah. aggressive sometimes even violent but in the right ways he's got good feet good vision and it when it comes to to, to seeing that seeing the gaps and, and seeing the plays just lacks a little bit of speed and i think we've never really seen seen anything from him in in the passing game and then with when you look at james cook before this year he's sort of just sort of really been there if that makes sense he's another one of these much like brian robinson he's he's mm. been there but never overly involved until this year so there's a bit of an unknown but again with cook nothing really jumps out at me where and and zamir white i do like what i've seen from him but he is definitely a one to the first or second down running back power power running back i think that's that's all we'll see from him at the next level yeah, somebody else, Damian Pierce from Florida, two twenty five foot nine. I, yeah. I, he's an interesting one. Yeah, he hasn't really been used, has he? He's very underutilized no. in in the, how the Gators played football, split backfield and stuff like that. But he's he's pretty powerful, and he likes like like uh, Zamir White likes a bit of contact contact, and is very yeah. violent with his contact. So I, I don't know much about him. I just know that he, he's a downhill runner. Yeah, he's yeah. I, I, I'd agree with you. I think he is he is a downfield runner. He wasn't used a great deal at Florida, uh, up and then it's sort of the senior bowl and, and the combine. He's really shown shown out what he can do, which which is as you say, we see it all the time. I think he's capable in the blocking game. He's shown capabilities in the passing game, but I need to I need to look more at him. I haven't I haven't seen enough of his tape to 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 make a decision on 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 him as it stands at the moment. He's he's a bit of an unknown for me. And then we've got Jerome Fon, uh, Ford from Cincinnati and Zonovan Knight rounding off your list of notable mentions. Ash, yeah, <sighs> nothing really to sort of uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think they they're the notable mentions. Yeah, no, they are they're 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 on there as notable mentions as they are in. They are they are regularly yeah. showing their faces in 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 people's conversations and Jerome Ford at Cincinnati that whole offense was impressive. It was a unit that ran well from the quarterback all to all the way to the tight end and the wide receivers and the running backs. And I think Jerome Jerome, Jerome Ford sorry benefited from that. But at the same time, individually he he's shown what he is capable of. I think he is another one of those running backs that is good at everything, but not great at anything. So I think he would make a perfect committee type player at the next level. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him go fourth or fifth round. Just looking down another list I've got in front of me here. There's so many running backs in this draft class that yeah. we're used to seeing in college football that perhaps might not even get drafted. And it would be a huge, huge shame. Um, Ash, you've got, 10 minutes to talk tight ends. I'll lead you in. We're going to start with Trey McBride from Colorado, 6'4", 246 pounds. So this guy's a big, big lad. What do you know about Trey McBride? Well, I mean, he is my number one tight end. I think he is probably the most well-rounded tight end in this draft class. 
He is nasty when it comes to both the passing game and and as a blocker. And I think his blocking, he's always been viewed as a receiving pass catching tight end, but his blocking ability has got better year on year for Colorado State. He he is a yard after the catch machine. When he gets the ball, he will run through players like they're not even there. He puts his pads down. He's a big build player, 6'4", 246 pounds. So he's not the tallest for a tight end, but he is. you, you look at his frame, he's, he's, he's well built for, for, for his frame, and it shows. And as I say, he's got absolutely no issues with, with making contact with someone and, and just shrugging them off like they're not even there. And at the same time, his actual pass-catching ability is, is, is top tier for a tight end. He's great at tracking the ball in the air. He can adjust to poor throws in the air, whether they're behind him, over his shoulder, wherever it may be. He just seems to be able to move his body to get to them. He's got great hands. I rarely see, saw on his tape him losing a ball. And he just, he is, I would say he's probably the best receiving tight end, the best pass catching tight end in this draft class. Maybe on, maybe one other guy that I'll speak of, speak about in a minute. But I would say if I had to put money on it, McBride is the best pass catching tight end that has improved his, his, uh, his blocking ability. So he's, he's almost getting to that level of being a complete tight end. The, the, few weaknesses from him he has only got average speed he struggles to accelerate away from defenders but that's then obviously where the the yak ability comes into play and his physicality so he doesn't have that change of direction to avoid a defender so he has to utilize his power and his and his um and his strength to to out muscle and and put a player down um and as i say although him being one of the best pass catching tight ends in this class his route running does need to be improved it's not he doesn't run his routes to completion they're not always crisp and sharp they they leave sometimes a bit to be desired and and he can his start off the line of scrimmage can sort of be a step off which again are things that he will need to improve on at the next level but overall he's he's easily that's a lie he's not easily my my first tight end to be taken i think all three of these guys are very close together but if i had to put money on it mcbride will be the first to go. He is my number one, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the second round. Interesting. Interesting. The The name I know from the Titan list who isn't, let me just check for, he's not in these top three guys we're going to talk about, is Charlie Kohler. Going into the yeah. season, he, he was the number one tight end, and obviously you haven't got him. He's probably he was, an honourable mention. but He was, yeah. I've taken them out because I... I don't think we'd have time, but he was last year. He was right up there as 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 one of the top tight ends, and I think it's more down to players around him improving and him deciding to go back to school last year. And that by no means did he have a bad year, but he didn't have a great year. Whereas people around him did. He also hasn't. He didn't. He wasn't at the combine, or he didn't participate in the drills at the combine. He's just unfortunately, while everyone's been going up, he's just sort of stayed at the same level, which has really not done him any favors. He's, but his his actual is on paper his physical is great. He's six six, almost six seven, I believe, two fifty pounds. But it's just unfortunate that players around him have improved throughout twenty twenty one, and his decision to go back to school might not have been the right decision. No. No. Next up, you've got Jalen Weidemeyer. Weidemeyer? 
Jalen Wyder, mate. Yeah, Texas A&M. 6'4", 255 pounds. I mean, this how kid... Get, how do people get this big? I, I, know, I know. I mean, to be fair, I'm only just shorter than that, but I don't look I don't look like these guys. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but uh, he backs up the way he looks with the way he plays. He is physical. He's a physically dominating player that has all the traits and abilities of a wide receiver. He's a weapon at all three levels. He stretches the field. He makes plays in the end zone and in the red zone. His route running is probably the best out of all of the tight ends. His runs are sharp. He finishes his routes. He's able to create separation. He can, he's a threat on the deep throw because he's got top level speed despite being 250 plus and 6'4". And then, as I say, he dominates in the red zone because of his size and athleticism. He can out-jump and out-muscle defenders. He catches well in traffic. He's got great hands. He's got great tra tracking of the ball in the air. And he can make all of those difficult throws that you expect to see from a wide receiver. But this guy is a tight end, and he looks like a tight end. And he is regarded as, I mean, I said about it, but as a McBride, and for me, uh, that is still the case. But Widemeyer is regarded as the best pass receiving tight end in the class i i would still put my money on mcbride but you just look at, at widemeyer on the on the field and on his tape and you can't help but be impressed the real thing that lets him down for me is in the blocking game he's got he's had limited experience as a blocker in college it wasn't called upon at texas a&m for him to block he was an offensive weapon he was an oversized wide receiver at the end of the day yeah. but he does he tries he he when he does when he is called upon to be a part of the blocking game he does try he does try and make the blocks but he plays high which then obviously means he is easily maneuvered because he doesn't have that overall strength that you want to see from a blocking tight end he's got the strength to outmuscle secondaries and linebackers when it comes to contested catches and the like but in the actual blocking game he just doesn't have that upper body strength that you that you need He's got poor hand technique as well when it comes to the blocking game. It's just really something that he's not, it doesn't look like he's focused on it very much in his career because he's been regarded as a, as I say, a wide receiver at the tight end position. And I think that's probably what we'll see from him at the next level. I think we'll more than likely see him in two tight end situations and as a, as a third or fourth wide receiver, as a, as a, as a big receiving threat. Fair enough. <clears throat> Excuse me, Isaiah Likely, Coastal Carolina. Ash, he's next up at three. Yes. Yeah, he and had it's... one of the biggest games of the year last season, right? Yeah, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Have like two hundred and forty yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, he, yeah, it was it was ridiculous the the game he had, and and this year in particular has has done him all sorts of favors. As I said at this right at the start of the tight ends, these three tight ends are so close for me. It's literally it can be a, it potentially is a coin flip between all three of them. Likely, the more I watch him, the more I'm impressed by him, and he is potentially going to be creeping into number two for me. But as it stands, he is my number three, and he's our consensus number three. But with likely, you get again six four, two hundred forty five pounds. One thing that with all of these guys is that when you look at the tight end position, six four, yeah, that's a big guy, but for a tight end, it's not. It's, uh, it's they're actually regarded as smaller tight ends, and <laughs> it's crazy to think that. But they are all pass catching tight ends with with blocking ability. Byron Widemar, which is is one of his negatives, and it is the it is the case for all three of these guys. It is the thing that they need to improve. But 
The strengths were likely great athleticism. He possesses very good speed for a tight end. He's quick off the line of scrimmage. He gets open due to his ability to change directions on the spot and the shifty footwork. He makes defenders miss. But he can also break down a defender. He will physically dominate a defender if needs be, as much as he'll make him miss in the open field. He'll outmuscle them in in contested catches. He comes away with the ball more often than not in those situations. And he he can get up to the highest point of the ball above a defender. And much like McBride, his blocking game has, con- has improved considerably this year in particular. He's um, he's shown that he can block in particular in the open field. I think that's that's where is that's where it's it's best for him when it comes to on the line of scrimmage. That's where he starts to struggle. It's it is still a weakness of, of his game because he doesn't have the power to outstrengthen defensive ends and linebackers, whereas he can do with secondaries he um he he just sort of almost throws himself at the bigger guys to try and stop them because i think he knows that, that he hasn't got the strength to to be able to to physically overpower these guys so he just as i say he just sort of throws himself at them because his hands much like weidemeyer aren't great he gets battered down and then he'll lose the momentum on the defender and 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 they'll beat him i do see him at the next level as i as uh, much like weidemeyer as a receiving tight end um, but he does just need to polish off his routes. Um, it does tend to, again, like McBride, just doesn't finish them. They're not as, as clean as they could be. But I think all three of these guys are incredibly uh, well-rounded when it comes to the receiving game. They're, they're all going to be considerable threats for any team they land on from the tight end position, and it's just going to cause people mischief. I mean, look at how well a player like Kelsey does as, a, as an offensive weapon. These guys... These guys will give an offense that that sort of weapon. All three of them will. So you heard it here first, everybody. Ash just called these three guys the next Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it's, that's exactly uh, what I meant. Nah. Just, uh, average <laughs> comparison there, Ash. Possibly yeah. the no, I I'm not comparing these players to them. I'm comparing the their ability to change an offense. Because what you of... these guys are weaponized systems as opposed to concrete walls for the NFL. Yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. They're 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 wide receivers playing at the tight end position. Essentially, like Kyle Pitts last year. Exactly like Kyle Pitts last year. Yeah. Ooh. So, one of the most coveted tight ends to come out of college in recent history. Ash has compared these three to like that is a yep. comparison for these three: Kyle Pitts and Travis <laughs> Kelsey. If these three don't pop off in the NFL yeah. next year, so it's going down. Ash is in big big trouble. There's a few names that spring to mind that we. Ash, I don't, there isn't an honourable mentions list here, so I don't know whether you finished the weaknesses for Isaiah Likely or. No, yeah, I yeah I have yeah I um <clears throat> I've left off the honourable mentions just conscious of time, but we have yeah, got a no, few that's... minutes because there are there are definitely some guys that we haven't spoken about that 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 do need to be spoken about. You mentioned Collar earlier. There's there's yeah. Kate there's Kate Otten from Washington, Jeremy Jeremy Ruckett from Ohio State. There's there are still this this is actually a very good tight end class, which is unusual to see. Yeah. So many tight ends in one You've, in one respect. Well, I mean, you, you haven't even mentioned somebody like Jelani Woods, who had a good combine for from yeah. Virginia. He, he had a good year last year and yeah. the combine was good and showed that he can he, he can pass but uh, he can catch the football at least in that Virginia offense. And then you've got 
somebody like Cole Cole Turner from Nevada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, there's, there's... Strong was was a big proponent of Cole Turner in, mm. for, especially in the red zone. Didn't have that many receptions, was but was a big end zone target. And then somebody like James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. He he got injured. I think either preseason or week one last year, and he was pretty much going to be their main target. And is is a very good tight end in his own right, but didn't see the season out because of injury. I don't know what the status on his injury return is, mm. um, but he could he could have a quite a good NFL career as well. So like you Greg, said, this is Greg Dolchitz from UCLA. He's had a yeah. great senior bowl and, and, and combine and, and he had a great year at UCLA. There, there is Jake Ferguson, Wisconsin. There's so many tight ends in this class that, <laughs> that, that could make a difference. It is a, it is a incredible tight end class that, that somebody, a, a few teams are going to get themselves an absolute bargain. They really are because there are some very impressive tight ends coming out this year. You mentioned uh, Chigozium Okunwukunu from uh, Maryland. Ash, <laughs> you, you, you I didn't, the... but I didn't because I couldn't. I, I can't really pronounce his name. But however, he is another guy in. that's in that. There's literally, as I say, there's twelve or fifteen. There's twelve to fifteen guys here that could generally find themselves starting on an NFL team ne- next year or the next couple of years. Uh, uh, Okunquo from Maryland did run a four five two, which is fairly impressive for a tight end. So he's obviously a receiving threat as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of receiving threats at the tight end position this year. Well, I think I, the way the NFL is going is a passing game and running back by committee. It makes sense for tight ends to be receivers. It, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ash, we, we, we almost managed it. We <laughs> almost managed to keep that within the hour. I enjoyed that. I still feel there are running back names out there that we haven't mentioned which concerns me when the draft isn't that far away. Uh, yeah, but there's, there's always going to be, isn't there? I think there's... Uh, You're a lot more cutthroat than I am. I am, yeah. I am definitely, but you, when, you, when you've got a certain amount of time, you, you wanna, you've got to focus on the top guys. I mean, there's there's definitely... Yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, there's loads of guys. Tyler Baddy, who we didn't mention. Kennedy Max Brooks. Orgie. Um, yeah, Kennedy Brooks, CJ Vidal, Travis Dye. These are all names that are just Jaron Ely, who last year, before he decided not to not to uh, not to declare, was was right up there in conversation. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Rashid Rashad White, yep, Arizona State. I mean, yeah, there's 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 loads of guys. There really are, but you've just got to sort of put them in a, in a tier level. And I think as it stands at the moment, those, those four who we mentioned, I think are, are, are on that and same with the tight ends, but yeah, the closer we get to the draft, the more, the more names will come up, the more tape that we get to watch. And, and I'm sure things will change as they do every single year. And then we may, we may well mention this when we do the week long mock draft where we do seven rounds. So you never know. There'll be yeah, some exactly. names that fly out at the end of it. I'm still, we're still going to try and do that, but I'm not sure how we're going to work that one out yet, but we, mm-hmm. we, we will do it somehow <laughs> or other. Ash, we've done running backs. What's up next? Who's up next? What position groups are we going to be? Uh, we've got, through? we've got, we've got the best position group next. Oh, that that is the, lineman. It is. It is the offensive line next. Yeah. That is okay. our, that is, it is the O-line next week, uh, interior and tackles. So I'm excited. I love the O-line, as you well know. So no, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I think we've absolutely. got, yeah, it's like, again, there's going to be like 12 to 13 guys that we could potentially be talking about. You say we. Uh, could we well be sort be of a, about. Yeah, there could <laughs> be a lot of title reading for me and not a lot uh, of O-line is yeah. not my most. Ash, 
you played a little while ago, right? Yeah. You played line. Did you play both lines? I did, yeah. I played offensive line and defensive line. I mainly played defensive line as an edge, but I did also play guard as well. So that's my, why I have a love affair for the lines. No, and it's completely fair and warranted. As, a, as an offensive or defensive, before we, we get out of here, I do have a question. Go on. Did you... <clears throat> I want to say, did you have something you looked for in running backs when your running back was playing? Or was it a case of this guy's playing running back and we've got nobody else? No, so we we had a, we had a couple of different guys. We had one who was just a, a power... He was a fullback, essentially, but playing running back for us the whole time. So he would... You, we would have to make the... We would have to make the blocks in front of him for him and, and, and open up. He was going straight through the middle... And then we also then had another guy who who was more quick and, and speedy. So at that point, it was then we'd have to make the blocks and on outside because he'd be gone before before we'd even initiate contact. So you then <laughs> you're you're essentially at times we're essentially playing a screen on every run play because he was out that quickly that that we that we just have to get there in front of him as well. Amazing. That's yeah. and then on the and then on the flip side. I'll be honest with you. When I was playing edge, I was more than off, more often than not, just focused on the on the quarterback. Um, <laughs> Does I, uh, that mean yeah. you were particularly bad in run pass option situations when the when you thought the quarterback had it and the running back was off the other way? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You weren't double yeah. wrapping both of them on the tackle. Is that what you said? No, no. I'm quite tall though, so I I I I'd always still have the chance to jump up, jump above him if you try and dink over the top of me. But yeah, yeah no, it's. Definitely, definitely more of a love affair for the uh, the pass rush than the uh, than the run the run game when it came to the defensive side. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I thought I'd ask you that question. I thought about it today. I thought I'll ask Ash because he played. <laughs> Maybe there was a preference on style of running back when he was playing on the O line. I'm not sure, but it's interesting to definitely have yeah. that insight as to yeah. very very. If I had to choose, it's the it's the power back behind me because that's I like because you that. have to do less running. No, it's because I like to. Uh, you can then get up close and personal with the defensive tackles and and try and make that space. Whereas, like, yeah, you, you're chasing down a linebacker. Or, or <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Rush Nation, it's uh, it's been a blast. Running backs is one of my favourite positions. Don't forget to head over to the website because there are player profiles dropping now. There will be more coming. Luke jumped on the crew last week and has already dropped a Kenny Pickett one. Regardless of hand size, it's a good read. Listen, the draft is not far away. We have the offensive line next week, which Ash is hugely pumped about. I'll try and get psyched for it, Rush Nation. Until that time next week, don't forget, Saturdays are for rushing too. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.